Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Andrew McKenna from TalkSport. We're out in Sri Lanka covering the England cricket tour. As well as exclusive live ball-by-ball coverage of the Test Series, TalkSport are also giving you a podcast. It's published daily, it's called Following On, and covers all the news and views around the tour. It's full of player interviews, reaction and analysis from TalkSport's team of experts, including Darren Goff, Jared Kimber and Matt Pryor. Oh yeah, and also some of me. We'll be rounding up each day of action from the test matches, plus the news from all the other days on tour. You can subscribe now by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app. Search for the Following On Cricket Podcast, subscribe now and never miss a show. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4pm on TalkSport. This is Paul Hawksby. And Andy Jacobs. And welcome once again to the H&J Daily, some of the best bits of this afternoon's show. Uh, we had uh, Grant Thomas in the studio today. It may have escaped your attention. He won the Tour de France. Yes, you know. he, did. he was entertaining, uh, yeah. amazing, uh, amazing athlete. You know, he's, what he's done in the velodrome now won the Tour on the track. Uh, as well as out on the road. That's right. Lovely guy. We discussed uh, last night's uh, big games and incidents and, yeah. uh, and got into How do we get into that name thing? I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll find out. We'll yeah. find out as we listen back. It's all a bit sketchy, really, the last three hours. <laughs> but uh, no, you, you rose to the occasion, talk sport listeners, you always do. So I uh, hope you enjoy this. <laughs> Night of Champions League football. Tremendous. Tremendous performance from Manchester United. Mm. A classic bit of Jose there. Yeah. Bit of sucker punching. Tremendous. And uh, I've been trying to do that thing all morning that he, he did at the end of the game with his Cupping, ear. yeah. Yeah, and his face. Cause he's he does, yeah, he does. It's get a bit like the Deli Alley. I haven't been able to yeah. manage it. I mean, I think he's obviously what what I can't quite hear you panto, wasn't he? Oh, yes, it was very panto. Yeah. Well, he's always panto. I just think he's such great theatre, you know. Mm. So easy to knock him. And, of course, he's... Paul Scholes, he's right, he's got absolutely no class whatsoever. But, you know, it's still great theatre and I think the game would be poorer without him. That's I mean, we don't know what he, he was hearing for 90 minutes. We can probably guess, uh, mm. can't we? They would have been uh, undermining oh, what he did at Inter and calling him all yeah. sorts. Absolutely. Questioning I, his and parents. I still, I'm still angry about the FA thing. I still think that's so vindictive. You know, mm. like he's the only man that's ever sworn on a pitch. I think they'll play in his favour in the end. People will have sympathy for him because mm. they'll think this is this is definitely somebody with an agenda because, you know, you, I think it's wrong. But there you go. However much we talk about the way the game has changed and uh, it's become a, a bit more complex, a bit more tactical. 
Manchester United will often, from the last 10 minutes, put Fellaini on and stick it in the mixer. Why it, not? It, it works. It works. Doesn't it? Yeah, so absolutely. it doesn't hurt to go a bit old school now and again no. because it's the thing they've often done. I mean, we, you said recently when Fellaini wasn't mm. available, we didn't have that option. Did we? We yeah. didn't have the option to put no, him look, up it's, there. It's not what United habit. fans have become used to, but that's, that's the weapon they've got, and it, yeah. and it worked, and the matter worked as well. There were two great substitutions. Mm. A but double that, deflection. That's two nights running. Maybe this will be a, a just-eat takeaway. Two, two nights running, we've had double <laughs> deflections that have led to goals. Well, you're going to ask me that in about 10 years' yeah, time. Because <laughs> it comes off of Benucci and then I can't even of, remember it from this week. Off of Alexandro. And we had yeah, the one no, in the Tottenham game the night before. Yeah. Double deflection. I know, it's amazing. But uh, the, the goal by Ronaldo, the, that is what you get. Oh. That is what you pay 100 million quid for. I mean, yeah. what a strike. He just mm. such a difficult skill. Coming even Maureen and Bappy stood up and applauded <sighs> that. Honestly, I think that was better than the bicycle kick. He sprinted a great ball from Bonucci. The interesting thing was, I was thinking, and this is amusing, you'll see why in a minute. I wrote down, how many people missed that goal from Ronaldo because they were on their phone? Because the thing about, we've said this before, Mm. the whole thing about a goal like that, it doesn't matter how many times you see it in replay, the best time to see it is the time it happens when you didn't expect it, and it makes you kind of laugh out loud, you know, that sort of reaction. So I think, how many people actually missed that? I was thinking, oh, I smugly saw it. And then, of course, I was Googling something. I, was I smugly to... saw it. Well, I smugly no. saw it because I wasn't I on the phone. You. And then I missed Man... Juan Mata's goal. Oh, did you? Because you're yeah. on your phone. Because I was on the phone. I was Googling something about Brian Glanville. <laughs> Even though it was a free kick. I know. And they were sort of saying it was a free kick. I de- don't ask me why I, mean, I didn't You know see it's it. coming. I just it's not looked a down at the free kick and I just looked down. I thought, yeah. well, I've got time to look up this thing that the, I was trying to find. The key to that. Um, was Ashley Young because normally mm. you can tell a decoy runner, can't you? Know yeah, someone? I just wanted to set that up as a call subject. Oh, okay. I do that, but then oh yeah, certainly. That. Yeah, yeah. So let's do that first. Then. Yeah, basically, have, has that happened to you? you the great have, moments in sport you've missed. you've missed by looking down at your phone. Nothing, no other reason, just that. And will you tell us uh, kind of who you were texting or what you were doing? You might have been looking up a recipe, or your mum might yeah, have said, yeah. "How are you? Are you watching the football?" <laughs> yeah, that's well, a I good wasn't until you contacted. Brilliant. So, what was the reason? What did you look down to do, or what were you doing? And there was a great moment in sport that you missed in real time the decoy run you can often tell him you you look mm. over it but i mean talk about throw yes he was very method he threw himself into it did actually because mm. all intents and purposes i've never seen a bloke look so like he was going to hit the ball he really attacked it and i yeah. thought now he's gonna he's gonna he's wound himself up with it he's gonna hit it and uh, sure enough uh, Chesney thought the same thing. Yeah, it was good. It yeah. was ab- absolutely excellent. And it, but the reason I was looking at Brian Glamour, because I was trying to... Mm. You know this, when people call, they'll say the the Vecchia Signora or the Bianco Nieri. And people who are sort of... It's a bit like naming the stadium. Yeah. The Blaui Grana. The yeah. Rossonieri. Yeah, indeed. Those. those I love those. You so like they, to sort of stick well, if them you, in. If you, if you talk about a team like that, it makes you sound... If you're in the pub, if you're talking about the, you know, uh, AC Milan for yeah. some reason, I don't God knows why, but so and you are. You'd say Rossonieri. Yeah, yeah. Call them the Rossonieri. Your yeah. friends will think... But you say that. Phew. But then you say that and there's someone in there that says... Oh, do you speak Italian? You say, no, I can only say that. I can say that one word. That's all I can that would do. You look a bit of a bird. That would defeat the you? object, I agree. Didn't you tell me once years ago that you'd bought a copy of Gazetta? So you'd sit there yeah. on the train reading yes. Gazetta and trying to look urbane. Yeah, trying to look urbane. That's asking for trouble, isn't I it? I know. Ridiculous. You've got to have some Italian blokes sit next to you and point at the paper and say, say, you say, 
I mean, how, I mean, really, for all the kudos you'd get from pretending you could read an Italian sports newspaper, imagine the crushing humiliation of when they spoke Italian, you said, I'm sorry, I don't speak Italian. <laughs> Just I mean, practicing. You'd, you'd have to get off the train, wouldn't you? <laughs> Probably that would thrown be, off that, the that'd train. That would be a new low. <laughs> wow, we. I know. And I missed the free kick. So and you missed the free kick. kick. So, yeah, what let us know if do? you've got any of those. We've got more Bradley Stoke material coming in, but that is true. Bradley Stokes is a footballer mm. who's joined a team called Bradley Stoke. Yes, he's absolutely. obviously gone out of it. I mean, they, are they a local team? Has just gone out of his way? Yeah, I think it's quite an amusing thing to have done. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll find and out. Just a bit one more thing about from that. last night, though, because you've got a better memory than this. I was looking at Quadrado, and I started going Quadrado. Yeah. Who was the what clip was it that that I'm trying to? You, um, it was a, a Talksport listener, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, what was the player? No, no, it wasn't a Talksport listener. Um, wasn't it? Uh, what was his name? The guy. Yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. He'll come out. It was a Mexican player. Yeah, <laughs> stupid. But I couldn't. There was I a Mexican player yeah. called uh, Gennaro. I think it was Gennaro Canaro. That was his name, and we said <laughs> he's got to join Liverpool or Everton, or at least Tranmere. I'm sure we had. I think a, it was that. But we had, I'm sure we had a clip of a bloke doing it. Oh, no. I don't think so. Bobby Narbro. I think we suggested to John Bishop when he joined archived. us in the studio that they should sign Gennaro Canaro. <laughs> it was just a gift. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hawksby, Andy Jacobs uh, here on Talk Sports. Uh, joining us in the studio to talk about the tour according to G. His uh, journey to the yellow jersey is the winner of the tour at Grant Thomas. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. Well, as you say, congratulations. You probably never get bored of hearing that. No, not at all. Not <laughs> at all. So it's nice, yeah. How much has life changed since? Um, I think it's just been super busy at the moment. Hmm. I think uh, once it actually settles down and get back to normal life, it probably give a proper answer but uh i think the main thing is uh just the amount of people that recognize me now which is kind of weird like it happened before in cardiff <laughs> and 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 a few places around the uk but now it's suddenly people in france and even america when we went there on holiday and uh yeah that's the biggest sort of change yeah wow. the yellow jersey we've just been talking about the all blacks jersey but the yellow jersey is another iconic sports yeah. jersey and was that the first time you wore it and what did it feel like when you put it on for the first time yeah it was uh incredible well the, last year was the first time i wore it i won the the opening stage and, mm. and wore the yellow jersey for four four days but um yeah this year seemed even bigger and better because obviously i won it on a mountaintop finish and and then obviously retained it all the way to the end but um yeah like you say it's just that iconic jersey everyone you ask someone name something you know about cycling and they'll yeah. say yellow jersey so mm. um and to be representing that race and the the biggest race of all it was uh huge really yeah this this time around, so much of the talk was about you and, and Chris Froome and, and the way things were going to uh, pan out. You've talked, we'll come back to this, you've talked a lot about it in the book, but it was kind of quite key, wasn't it? It comes up throughout the book that you've been a support rider, domestic team for such a long time, and then suddenly you find yourself in this position and you wanted to kind of know up front before the tour where you stood, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So I also had quite a few uh, conversations with, with Dave B, the boss, and uh, a few of the, or Nico, the DS, and... Um, just to clarify, like I wasn't just hearing what I wanted to hear. It was actually what was going to happen. And, um, mm. and yeah, obviously talk about it all in the book and then the, the different stages of that through the race. And naively, I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I'll just talk about it. Be honest now in the book, say as it was, and that'll be it. That'll be. But ever since the book, I've got to talk about it every, every <laughs> interview I do now. <laughs> yeah. I should have thought about that. But um, no, it was, uh, yeah, right in the book. I thought, you know, I've got to just say as it was and, and give a real account of it. And, um, Try and make it interesting, and uh, yeah, 
Because yeah, there's no other sport really. If you think, I mean, you're trying to think of a comparison that you might be a cricketer and uh, and you play and you just basically hit singles and get up the other end so the other guy can just bat. <laughs> yeah. As a sport, it's quite difficult if you don't follow yeah, it's kind of cycling unique, to understand really. the nature of it. Blockers it, in American football kind of. Yeah. I suppose role, it, in a sense. Yeah, a kind of F1 mm. thing of it being a team sport yeah. as well as mm. a, an individual sport. Yeah, massively a team sport. Like, it's, yeah, I, there's no way I could have won it without a team. But at the same time, yeah, yeah your individuals as well and so the main thing for us was don't race against each other um, or don't get caught up racing each other and then suddenly Tom Dumoulin who was second ends up winning mm. basically because we count each other out so that was the main thing I think we rode it well I think for me the the, the best thing to come out of it was that Froome was allowed to do what he wanted he could attack where he wanted and things and that therefore Froome knew that he didn't have the legs to, to really win it and you know he was able to accept it more than I think, and yeah. uh, and also for the the harmony of the team and everything. And there was no atmosphere or anything. And it was uh, credit to him as well for not sort of. He obviously would have been disappointed. He's a serial winner, and and that's mm. what he does. And so he would have been disappointed that he didn't win his fifth and and record. You know, equaled the record of of Tour de France wins. So, um, yeah, big sort of respect for him for that. You were saying in, the, in just before we started how tactical cycling is in the Tour de France especially and it's, it takes you time to realise all that and thankfully to the, thanks to the commentators you do start to get all that but the idea of when somebody makes a run makes a burst and then the others the domestics reel them in how, how does that work I've always wondered I've always thought you know how do they actually do that how do they actually bring him back to the pack yeah it's kind of um, so say you're on a mountain this half an hour and uh, so one of these guys attacks in the first 10 minutes they go like we always tend to ride a pace that is sustainable from bottom to top. It's like a time trial almost. And mm. so to go that much faster and get 20 seconds advantage just takes so much more out of you. Like you, they're full of lactate that, you know, in the red totally. So to then recover from that effort to get that initial gap and keep riding at our pace is, is almost impossible. Mm. Um, but obviously we have to have a leader that can still ride at that pace and still perform. So, you know, is no good. You can't have that tactic if you've got the the fifth best guy in the race. So, um, but yeah, when it comes to the tour, there's so many. Even in that one race, you think, yeah, it's just a race for the yellow jersey. But then there's the white jersey for young rider. There's a green for the points. King of the mountains. King of the mountains. Mm -hmm. Even the stages, you know, uh, obviously massive. So, um, it's all different races within races. Teams riding for different reasons, and um, it's pretty technical. But. Uh, and awesome. I think that's probably our, our our strongest thing is that we just go for that one thing. It's all about yellow jersey. There's nothing else. It doesn't matter. Even stage wins, they don't really care about. So that's our biggest strength. Would you love to go into the next tour, right? As as the man, if you like. I mean, you've won it now. I mean, you've been in that situation where you've been there to. You want to get on the podium, but you're effectively there to make sure Chris Froome wins it. Effectively, that's that's your job. I mean, next time, are you the man? Oh. Well, I'd love to be for sure, but, um, <laughs> but obviously, question. surely you should be, shouldn't you? Well, I'd, well, Froome's won six as well, and mm. uh, you know, he's got the, the pedigree. <laughs> but I think we can, if we ride the same as we did this year, I think it can work. You know, one of us, as long as we don't ride against each other, and we still have to be the best. It's not like a given that one of us is going to win. So, you know, it's a hell of a long way to go to the start of the tour. But you know, if we can both be at our very best, and we don't race against each other. Hopefully, one of us will will come out on top. There was a, there's a story in the book. I think uh, when you're actually on the tour, that's that's kind of worth telling because 
um, there was a, an electricity issue in one of the hotels where you couldn't get all the air yeah. conditioning units <laughs> working. And uh, so just tell us some of what happened. So basically, uh, yeah, in the tour, we don't stay in great hotels. So um, the hotel we were in didn't have air con and it was mid 30s. It was it was really hot. And um, so the team, we have our portable sort of air con units and they put them all in the rooms, turned them all on. But uh, I tripped out the electricity when they were all turned on. So we turn up to the hotel and they're all in the corridor. So wrote a message on like the, the WhatsApp group saying, oh, are these hours, like, can we use them? And then there was a reply saying, oh, uh, well, they are ours, but if you put them all on, it trips the electricity. So only through me's one can be used. <laughs> Thanks. So, yeah, so we would be like, oh, okay, charming. Uh, but then me and Wout, this uh, Dutch guy, we were just like, oh, stuff it, we'll just, we'll grab them and put them on anyway, see what happens. And that's what we did. And the electricity didn't trip, so... That's right. We but even right. there, well, the kind of the broader point of that, of course, there you are in a hotel and you're doing very well in the tour at this stage. Um, but he's the lead rider. He's there. And so he can have the air con and you guys can't. I mean, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic, isn't it, within a team? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's just the way it was. But the way I saw it was that didn't bother me too much. But I was kind of like, I can I can hold on to that and get angry about it and mm. be like, start in my head like oh why why are they saying that do they not believe in me yeah. the team not to believe in me like why is in you know mm. but for sure like my my uh performance would have gone down with that so I just yeah put that back to the back of my mind and just thought logically and just be like oh whatever just think about the race and the process and i've got my one working now anyway and worry about that after mm. i never even thought you'd stay in hotels i always thought you'd have like luxurious Winnebago's you know this <laughs> what like you know, trailers, trailers following yeah. behind well, you say that the team did try to uh, start having our own bring our own mm. basically little village for it but the governing body put an end to that because uh, right. they don't like innovation and stuff oh, well, <laughs> fair enough. the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from Talk Sport. ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. 
Well, Hawk Fanny Jacobs here on TalkSport. Great Thomas is with us in the studio, the winner of the Tour de France. We're chatting about his new book, The Tour, according to G, reliving uh, that fantastic win. And uh, you kind of talk also about the kind of sacrifice, especially sort of things like uh, diet and preparation, the things you have to deny yourself yeah. in the build-up to the Tour. And you admit that, you know, you're someone who maybe finds making the weight a little bit more difficult than some of the others. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, by far the hardest part for me. Like, I love riding my bike and I love, like, hurting myself in a kind of sadistic way. But I, <laughs> I love just doing more and more hours and, and efforts. But the diet is a hard part. You basically look, I mean, obviously not compared to us, middle-aged <laughs> blokes, but you look slim. I mean, but not, oh, this that, is the, not that emaciated look. That no, this is the biggest get. I ever get. Because yeah. I've just had, well, the biggest off-season I've ever had, really, about eight weeks now off the bike. And... Mm. Oh, I feel so fat at the minute, which is, <laughs> which is unreal, really. It's a it's a weird sort of mindset to be in, but yeah. um, you always compare yourself to your your, your thinnest sure, and your leanest. Yeah. So, but it's tough, yeah. Cause that's that's the, and obviously being British and, and Welsh, you know, it's that culture. You like a social drink, and so it's hard at times. But uh, you know, when you commit to it, when you finally do get down to that weight, it's it's so worth it. And mm. um, but I learned lessons in the past. So I got a bit too light before, like in 2016, before the tour, and. So that, and I went the other way then. I just went yeah, just as bad. Yeah, because then you lose the so. strength, I suppose. Yeah, yeah so it's, it's a fine balance, balance with power yeah. and weight. and mm. So, um, but yeah, by far, that's the hardest bit. As as is often the case in the tour and every big cycle race, you know, the, the the crowd are so close and that brings its own problems. And this this tour was no different from your point yeah. of view. You had pepper spray from the police or whatever it was or <laughs> something was being, sp- you're all sort of tear gassed or whatever. And then you somebody was trying to grab your arm at one point. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, we had a lot of hostility from the start, actually, with just the French public, and um, it turns a bit of pantomime after that. It was kind of like that's the thing you did if you went to see. Hmm. Um, but that was all fine with the booze and stuff because it's just shouting whatever. That's fine. But w- when it starts affecting the race, like the one guy that tried to grab me, yeah, that was a, the last mountain top finish, and I thought it was an over exuberant fan at first, just waving or whatever, and just hit me. But then it was pictures showing him basically trying to grab me as I went past, which isn't the best really and um but you just don't think about that at the time you're just thinking about the race and but it is a bit you know in the back of your mind you're like oh stay more in the middle of the road now though so does somebody doesn't grab you which is kind of it's crazy really like you couldn't imagine that in in champions league or something did you get involved in the sprint finishes because i know that's a sprinting is a kind of specialist thing but that always looks amazing and dangerous i mean you're all so close and going so quick yeah yeah i used to when i was more like a punchier rider from the track but Mm. um you still have to be right in the mix because there's time gaps and you don't want to, there's crashes obviously a lot of the time in those sort of races, you need to be in a good position. So you still need to be sort of top 20, 25 and it's it's just crazy. That first week of the tour is the worst week of the year because it's all you can do is lose the race yeah, or just get through it unscathed. It's like, so it's, some of this, yes, you've seen Froome go take some terrible headers and, you know, yeah, come yeah, yeah. Like the bike. Yeah. after the first time he won the tour, the year later he crashed and, and he, crashed out hmm. just a silly mistake by somebody else and down he went and a lot of my crashes have been due to other people's mistakes and that's just the nature of the sport really it seems there's a it kind of senses a bit of a brotherhood really I mean, you talk about richie port in the book who who kind of crashes out of the race he's had his issues before and i suppose because you say you know what he's gone through to get there you have yeah. sympathy because uh, you've been in that same situation a year before it it's a, must be a horrible feeling to see your tour end yeah yeah sympathy because i've been through it and know what it's like but also because he's a good mate as well and mm. cuz he used to be in sky with us for a good few years and now he's he's a rival and uh, but i was disappointed for him at first but then the other side of me was kind of like well it's one less guy to worry about now in a in a selfish way but yeah it's he, he just definitely 
feel sorry for people. You you don't you hate to see people crash out, especially because mm. they've broken something. You you say in the races with that last seven days, you really felt on it. You felt in control. Was it the best you think you'd felt oh, in a race? For sure, the best I've ever felt mentally as much as physically as well. It was just just felt like it was everything was going smoothly, and the the more days it got ticked off, the better I felt, and the more confident I got, and um, it was just a great feeling to have it i just felt like a junior again like a kid just enjoying racing and um and almost like the further it went it almost felt like the less pressure mm. until the final time trial when then all of a sudden that night i was like Whoa, i could actually win the yeah. tour yeah yeah it's quite yeah. funny that conversation with your missus before uh, the night before it's in the book it's, uh, it's yeah. kind of it's that she says that you know they ne they never you know, she wasn't sort of counting the chickens. They were just thinking, like you, you know, just kind of take each day as it comes. But yeah. it couldn't have been easier to be playing it down when you're having those conversations with her. No, definitely. And uh, it's kind of strange because me and my wife were similar like that. And then that kind of spread through the rest of the family and friends then. And nobody mentioned it. And, um, you know, it got to Saturday. And then suddenly I spoke to my mates after, like, I'd actually won it. And suddenly realised that loads of them had booked their flights out, but nobody wanted to tell me. And <laughs> half of them were like, "Oh, do we book it or just wait till Saturday because we don't want to jinx it?" And yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone had the same sort of attitude. Yeah, it's um, it's difficult. I mean, you, it's hard. You can't really talk about strike. This is because of Lance Armstrong. You can't really discuss cycling without talking about drugs. Does that drive you a bit mad that, that, that you know the sport still has this taint about it? Yeah, of course it is. It is frustrating and annoying because mm. you know it's all because of the past but at the same time you've got to accept that that's kind of the way it is at the moment and then you're going to get those questions and you just got to front up and answer them as truthfully as you can really so um but yeah it is it is frustrating that the guys from the past and it is like a long time ago now but yeah but but for me like I was always on I started on the track and that's where I had most of my success with the Olympics and things and then after London I wanted to go to the road anyway, but then seeing Brad win really gave me that confidence to go full on for the road and see how far I could take it because I had I had so much 100% confidence in him that he did it the right way. I, I knew him. I knew exactly how he thought. It was kind of that whole British system, the way of mm. going about it. So, yeah, that's why that's what drove me to really go for the road for him. Mm. Uh, you say that um, it was probably a good thing that England didn't, maybe on two levels, England didn't, get to the World <laughs> Cup final because they would have ended up playing France, uh, yeah. wouldn't they? Which probably wouldn't have gone down if they had beaten the French in the final and you were out there cycling. You said there'd been a bit of French <laughs> hostility <could> <laughs> uh, for a British team. Wouldn't have been great, would it, really? Yeah, yeah. It was already uh, <laughs> tense enough if, for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> they have a game of football, you say. Is that France versus the rest of the world? Is that is that a game? Yeah, so a French uh, like sports magazine. Maybe just cycling, I'm not sure. But yeah, they have a French versus the rest of the world. But it's always been the time when I'm away on holiday, so I can't do it, but... Yeah, unfortunately. And uh, we were talking in the break as well about your school. And, of course, you went to school with uh, the same school as uh, Sam Warburton and Gareth Bale. And uh, they contacted you, didn't they, after the uh, the race, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. The team uh, got a load of video messages off, off loads of people. Obviously, Gareth and uh, Sam were part of that. And then, um, you know, they, I'm an Arsenal fan, so they had a message from Thierry Henry. Um like Rob Brydon was one of them as well. Um, <laughs> George North, another rugby player. Thierry um, Henry must have been gritted teeth. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just uh, it was strange because it was obviously a big night. Um, and in the morning, I was thinking, I was like, 
did I get a message from Thierry Henry? <laughs> <laughs> and then I look at my phone and it's there. I was just like, wow, that's, that's unreal. Cool. Yeah. yeah. For brilliant. Yeah. Just, I mean, you've, you've obviously wanted to do this and win this. So is the motivation still there to go on? Is it hard? I mean, there was that book years ago by Bob Geldof, kind of, is this it? You've kind of wanted to do, you've won gold medals. That must have been a, a, the pinnacle on the track. You've yeah. got the pinnacle off the track now. But what drives you to keep wanting to do it? I think uh, I still just love bike riding and racing and I want to get back to that to that level again now it's kind of like almost addiction it's just like oh I want to have that feeling again I want to go back and you know be racing at the front and even if I don't win again or even on the podium or whatever but just to be you know in the front group going over those mountains in in a race that I've watched since I was 10 mm. and wanting to be a part of it that for sure will keep me going um but yeah I guess maybe in a few months time I have to come back and answer that properly yeah. but uh, at when, the moment when, when I'm do you start to, again when you, when's your build up for the as soon as possible really. Really? I'm okay. itching to go because normally I'd have about four weeks off the bike and now I've, it's up to about eight so yeah. it's um, do you I'm, think having won it once has, takes the pressure off and you can relax and make, or do you think it's, it kind of puts more pressure on um, I think in the build up it'll be totally different because this year nobody was really talking about me it was all about Froome and, and everybody else mm. so that's definitely going to be a bit more pressure but I think there's no bigger pressure, I think I said in my book, about than turning up to Team Pursuit Final in London when basically everyone's giving you the gold medal before you've even got into the velodrome because yeah. we were hot, hot favourites and sure. that expectation and pressure was huge. So that'll be okay for me. And um, But yeah, it'll definitely be different next year. Brilliant. Well, lo- Brilliant. Lovely to meet well you. Congratulations again. Cheers. Thanks for coming in. Thanks Best luck with the book. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Um, we spoke to Bradley Stokes, uh, who has just signed up for mm. a team in Bristol called Bradley Stoke. And uh, Andy, off the back of that, was interested to know whether you had a name very similar to a football team. I did point out that the listeners would just make stuff up. And one of the listeners has been in touch. He said, you're absolutely right, lads. It won't work. People will just make names up. All the best. Alexander Crew. <laughs> so that's a coincidence, isn't it? That he's got a name a bit like that. Yeah. People will lie. I used to go to school with an Irish lad called Leighton O'Ryan. No, you didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, Mark says, "Have mm. I told you about my friends Carl Isle, Eva Tun, and Don Castorovers? The double barrel name? No, you haven't, <laughs> no. because you've just made them up." Um, this, yeah, this is a good one. Uh, Carl's uh, Carl. It's actually a bloke called Carl Diff. Claims to have friends called Steve Nijborough and his cousin Pete Erborough. Pete Erborough. Pete Erborough and Steve Nijborough. What a great pair there. Oh, thank you very much, Carl. Then I saw uh, in last night's London Evening Standard, there was a picture of Madonna looking, actually, you have to say, great for oh, her okay. age. Yeah. Except for her hands. I was looking at her hands. You've got the thing about hands. Well, because I just noticed them. Maybe you should wear wicketkeeper's gloves. Well, this is the thing. Her hands did look like an old wicketkeeper's. They look like Jack Russell. They're all gnarly and so yeah. Do you um, think she's kept Papa wicket don't the, catch? You think, she, <laughs> you think she's kept wicket a few times we oh, didn't yeah. realise it, playing the LA leagues. <laughs> Probably. Standing up to fast bowlers and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um uh, Rico claims to work with a bloke called uh, Brian Leverkusen. No, you don't, you're lying. <laughs> it's rubbish. Uh he also says his next door neighbour is called Stan Dudley Age. Stan Dudley Age. Uh, that, yeah, didn't, I didn't really mm. sell that, no, did I? Really. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> not, yes. Anything else, Andy? Uh, a bit of a Johnny Nashery, this one, because it, on sale at auction is a Fabergé egg, mm. which are those generally come from Russia, don't they, those things? And yeah. It's got a statue of Manchester United's George Best in it. 
When on earth did they make that? And why? When it when it when it, in his pomp in the late sixties, I would have thought. It's going for twelve. Well, it's up for twelve grand. That's yeah. the sort of. I mean, thing. he was a. They've done. They did sort of quirky Fabergé eggs, and he was did a he? sort of cultural icon, wasn't he? Sort of global no, I don't, I don't star. Re- I don't remember that one. Yeah, I, I, actually, you know, I think I've seen it before somewhere. I'm just looking at a picture of it now. Yeah, oh. it does ring a bell. Um, wealthy soccer collectors from around the world are expected to flock to Manchester when a Fabergé egg tribute to uh, uh, George Best goes up for auction. Yeah, a rare egg, they say. 45 grand, uh, they think it could be. 68 of them were made. Oh, yeah. And this is oh, the it's only, nice, this, isn't it? only yeah. the second one that's ever come up for sale, uh, apparently. 24-carat yeah. gold, nine and a half inches tall. Uh, the detachable top, you take it off, and there's the gold That's figurine. What detachable tends to me. Of George uh, in action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fabergé have only ever. Do you want to know more about this? Yeah. Fabergé, in case anybody's got a spare 45 grand. It says 12 in my paper. But oh, no. There you go. It could go up more. It's mm. the Manchester Evening News. Fabergé has only ever made tribute eggs to four Westerners. Oh. Um, then thank, they don't tell us the rest of them. Uh, well, George Best, <laughs> thanks. Thank you. George well, Best. Far a bit of reporting. George Best being one, but well, maybe they were tight for time. Well, who do you think the others might have been? Um, uh, Des O'Connor. I Fred don't know. Truman. I doubt it very much. I didn't say <laughs> it had to be sport. Des O'Connor. So uh, maybe we'll find out the other three. That could be Amy a Turtle. Just Eat Takeaway teaser at quarter four. <laughs> Amy Turtle. So there we are. That's all, everything you need to know about that Fabergé. Probably more than you really wanted to know, I would think. <laughs> Probably. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, John Stones, auction. says Paul. John Stones could sign for St. Johnston. Well, yeah. he's, not, he's unlikely to. Uh, <laughs> he could do, yes, I think. Very unlikely, very unlikely to at this stage. Um, I used to work... No, you didn't, Ben, the Othersfield fan in Aberdeen. You didn't work with a bloke called Stan House Muir. You did not <laughs> work with that man. It would be Sten, his that, Swedish cousin. Sven, Sven House Muir would have worked, <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, um, but just lying there. No, I know. That's the word, it? I was saying, talking of auction, there are two... There seem to be quite a lot of these coming up for auction. Two old sooty puppets. Oh, yeah. Uh, one was a, one that belonged to Harry Corbett and one that was belonged to Matthew Corbett. Yeah. Um, I think Maybe on our last ever show, I'll tell you the story of <laughs> Harry should. Corbett and uh, sooty, but sadly... It, it would Whenever finish, I read it, I always think it of would that finish story. It, it would really... I think well, that would be it, really, I think, if I ever told that story. The on puppets the are expected to make £4,500 at auction in Derbyshire. People out there saying, please tell it. I know. Please tell it. We'll have a whip round. We'll have a telethon. The trouble is, you could tell it without the swearing, but then it wouldn't lose. It, it wouldn't loses have that the effect. You know. Loses the impact. Why don't you go on Martin Kellner's show overnight and tell it? And just well, okay then. I think you get away with it on that. <laughs> do you think so? <laughs> oh, I do, do. You think he's a, a, a three for all for bad language on that, Talk Sport Two? Could... You think that's the home of swearing I, overnight? I think. <laughs> I think you're it's, wrong, Andy. No, it's after the watershed. Yeah. And. You know, it's overnight. I don't think. I think there is no watershed on radio anywhere, isn't there? There's this watershed of which you speak. <laughs> Nine o'clock watershed. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think Andy and Jason think it exists sometimes, <laughs> but I don't think it does. I've heard swearing. Does telly, I've heard swearing on radio. on radio four at half past six, and I've not been happy about. But they, they, you know, that's so that's art, won't they? That's uh, it's in, that's in the context of a play. Oh, really? I mean, if I go on there and tell the Harry Corbett story. <laughs> I'd say it's That's, in context. Unless I'm playing the part of Harry Corbett. I could do the voice. I could try. Anyway, What's maybe one city? day we'll get, we'll yeah, get that. Okay. What's that? Yeah, one of those. Um, England 5, Germany 1. I was working nights at the time and fell asleep as soon as it kicked off, uh, says John Toby. Yeah, that's not the same as Googling. Though. It's not the it's same not, as Googling, not using no. your phone. Um, it's got to be phone. Looking at your phone. My mate's mum is called Val Encia. 
No, she isn't, Paul in Oxford. You're lying. Uh, as I pointed out, you would, all of you would do when the chance came. Um, Martin says, honestly, I do know some of my best friend's name is Boris Munchen Gladback. <laughs> Can't be. <laughs> just asking for it, isn't it? Um, I missed Ronaldo's goal last night, says uh, I bet there's somebody called Bertie Borisov, though. No, there's not. <laughs> Might Bertie, be. Bertie Borisov. It sounds more like a name to me. <laughs> I yeah. wouldn't think so. No? Okay. Somebody was kind of English, but married into a sort of a, a, a Russian family or yeah. an Eastern European family. Like that, yeah. Um, yeah Russian father, English mother. She went for a sort of English first name. And they were Mr. and Mrs. Borisov, and their son Bertie. Oh, are you talking about? I missed Ronaldo's goal last night because I was googling to see if Ronaldo had ever scored against United. Says uh, Chris Wheeler. <laughs> that's a lie. That's well. Yeah, that's a lie. <laughs> Just liars, lie. all of you. A good lie. <laughs> There we are. That was this afternoon's uh, show. I liked Pete Urborough. That was a very good one. There were some it? very good ones. Yeah, that's Steve some... Nidgebrough. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Nidgebrough, yeah. I'm going to invite you. We should use those names. We should be Nidgebrough and Urborough <laughs> on Talk Sport. Okay, we're back tomorrow. We're talking Corinthian casuals. And one of the class of 92, whose uh, career was blighted sadly by injury, a great player, the one that Gary Neville said, mm. arguably the most talented of all the class That's of 92 boys, Ben Thornley will be here uh, to tell us his story. So until then, have a great evening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.